You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name, it's Andrew Mackay-Smith, hope you're well. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you is Jake E. from the Swedish outfit Syrah. Now, the reason for the conversation is to promote the new album from the band, No Halos in Hell. It'll be released on November 15th, 2019. Now, if you know me, as of course many of you listeners do, you will know that I take these interviews as far as I can. And this is one of those interviews where we talk about all sorts of things above and beyond the new album. So I really hope you enjoy it. This is effectively myself and Jake just sharing our story. So here he is, Jake E from the outfit Syrah. Hello, brother. What's going on? Oh, Everything? I am <laughs> um, extending my vocal cords abilities, I must say, because I've been uh, having interviews since early, early morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going well. I start to kn- I start to know the answers to every question in the world. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's, it can be like that. It can be formulate, can't it? Because I suppose we've only got how long have we got? Fifteen, twenty minutes or so. So everybody tends to follow. Oh, we got we got we, we, yeah, we got thirty minutes. I think. Sweet. Okay, we could, mate. Um, but I know I know what it's like. I've done well over. I think I'm up to four hundred and fifty of these interviews right now, and. You know, and I I get it from the perspective that you as the artist, you get asked the same questions in these block of interviews and you think, my God, can't people just think up of something unique and interesting to ask me about this bloody album? <laughs> no, I, I, I never I, I never think like that. Um, the, the, the thing that, that I have problem with as an artist is, um, uh, hold on just a sec, I'm sorry. No, you're right. I must clean my nose here. <laughs> so uh, it is is to make sure that I have the energy and the uh, that I could deliver the answer, even if I have replied to those those um, questions fifty times on a day. Mm. I need I, my problem is to you know keep the energy level up and you know give a good response to mm. when people are asking me things because like. I need to keep in mind that, you know, this is the first time this interviewer hears this answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I need to make sure that, you know, I have, I, I, I give everyone the same kind of energy. And th- that is probably the hardest thing. Yeah, that's a really good way of framing it. And I've thought about it like that too. But I also wish, because I'm a podcaster and I also write for online publications, but I feel like I'm reading the same interview over and over again a lot of the time. So I feel yeah. like as though there are, yeah, sure, you can ask, okay, tell us about the new album. You can do that, but then you might want to focus on an aspect of the album and make the question. So you can ask the same question, but you can frame it a bit differently as the interviewer. And I think I, I think I like to think that I do do that because I'm also I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that you as the interview subject, you're in this block and you've spoken to about I don't know what is it, ten people before me, maybe, maybe more, maybe less, yeah. but you know what I mean. You know where I'm coming from. So. I can yeah. I can tell because I've done so many of them. I can tell when even though we've never met before, never spoken before, you're in Sweden, I'm in Australia. I can like I can tell you're enthusiastic about the album already because of the way that you phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell. I, I can tell that. You know, I can tell that. But sometimes, to be honest with you, and I'm going to give you a really good example here. Okay, this is pretty close to home. I, I spoke to Anders from In Flames about a year ago or so, and I think he was in the middle of one of these things that we're doing right now. And I questioned him on the change to in flame sound. And I know Jesper was in the band when that happened. 
I know who's in the band up until 2010, and he didn't like the question, okay? And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I'm an old fan, but then I realised he's been asked the same bloody question over and over again. He's on a tour bus. He's sitting next to Chris Broderick from Megadeth and... What's the other band that he's in? Arch Enemy? Is he not? No, he's not an Arch Enemy, is he? He's in... Um, that's the uh, other guy. But you know where I'm coming from, don't you? You know, these guys... Yeah. These guys, particularly in the... With all due respect, the bigger bands. I think I think they were touring with Deep Purple at the time, maybe, in Mexico when I had a chat to him. I could be wrong, but I think that's what yeah. was going on. So I think he just sort of sighed and went, okay, like, you know, I won't put in a Swedish accent because it'll be really bad. But, you know... Tell me why you think we changed our sound. And I thought, well, look, I'm an old fan. Okay, I was around in the 90s. 90s. I got into the Jester Race and all of those sorts of albums there. And I know that the band's sound changed. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I haven't heard your responses because, frankly, I don't read a lot of the interviews that he's been a part of. But then I thought about it afterwards and I thought, maybe if I... It's not about approaching it with empathy. It's about saying, okay, he's been asked this question a million times. How can I frame it differently? How can I frame it differently? But, you know, I'll, I'll reframe for you, mate, because I actually really do like your album, No Halos in Hell. You know, it's very... Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I really do. So, and and my take on it is this, okay? This sounds like hard rock that should be played on late night FM radio. And if I didn't know better, and I think it's a very smart move, you'd engineered it that way. So that's my thoughts. But what are your thoughts on my comments? I I I completely uh, agree with you. Uh, I think that this uh, music that we play in general is for the wider mass. Hmm. I think that our music is not only made for you know true metalheads, so to say. I think hmm. that our music can be be listened to by people that are listening to Ed Sheeran, as uh, people that uh, are into uh, Anthrax or or Megadeth. Uh, I, I, I think we are crossing um, borders with our music in that way, just as you said. We, we would uh, uh, be able to be played on regular radio channels any day of the week, but, but you know, it will probably never happen because it's labeled as metal, mm. and, you know, met metal for an FM station is uh, as scary as chickenpox. So... Um, uh, you know they don't touch it because it's labeled the wrong way yeah mm -hmm. if 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 our name would be jake lagrande instead and we would have an <laughs> apple on our our yes. uh, our cover yep. it'd probably be played there but you know it's all about how you package things so <laughs> i i absolutely agree mate and the, the listening to the album i've listened to it a couple of times it's got that wonderful production quality to it, hasn't it? It's the sort of production quality to it that, to your exact point, that if somebody out there was brave enough to put it on one of those bloody Spotify playlists that's listened to by millions of people, your music could actually sit alongside of Taylor Swift's music. So please take that as a compliment, because I'm a music fan at the end of the day. I, I don't give a shit about labels. I take labels. that as a compliment, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about labels, mate. I'm just, at the end of the day, I consider, and I've made this point before in my podcast series, I consider music like yours or Taylor Swift, it's all just rock and roll it all just comes from the great legacy that chuck berry started way back in the late 40s and early 50s you know so and I'm, Absolutely. I'm, i completely agree i completely agree yeah i'm so glad that you got the ambition to it though because my thing about heavy metal is it is a popular form of music it's not an underground form of music and i know at times it has been such as in the late 90s but overall Mate, there's as many heavy metal fans out there as there are urban music fans, so why can't this music 
be played on radio, be put on Spotify playlists next to Taylor Swift and the like. And your album here is a really good example of how that can happen. So that's my next question for you is how do we help you do it? Uh, I There has been some of those bands that has been able to do this lately. Uh, I think that Volbeat, the, the Danish band, mm. is uh, uh, one of those bands that, you know, has gone through and, you know, they're 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 being they're they're being accepted on like bigger radio stations as like a, a general rock band, mm -hmm. uh, so to say. Uh, the way you guys could help us is uh, I said that in an a other interview as well with um, uh, a colleague of yours actually mm -hmm. uh, down in down in Australia. Uh, I, I said that the, the you know if. I think that people in the metal business, I love, I love the metal business. It's like a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone is holding each other's backs and, you know, supporting each other and so on and so forth. But one thing that is negative with, you know, metal fans is the fact that metal fans sometimes has this thing where they find a new band and they keep it like it's an exotic pet of theirs mm -hmm. because like they don't want to breed this exotic thing and give out to, to other people. Uh, it's theirs and theirs alone. Uh, and, and, and I don't know if I make myself clear enough, but what I mean here is that, mm -hmm. you know, we need people, we need people to, you know, spread the word about us. But within the metal scene, it's still like that is that, People find a band and they like it and they keep it as their pet. And, you know, like, no, I'm not going to lend this out to anyone else. Uh, and then when more people are starting to listen to it, that original fan stops listening to it because now all of a sudden it's commercial. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden it's too much people that are listening to this small band. And it, uh, the, 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 the connection that that first person felt with the band is now gone. Mm -hmm. Do you do you understand what I mean? I absolutely do. Yeah, I'm a lifelong heavy metal fan, so I know exactly what you're saying. It's like as if it's their own personal. Uh, you you said it. You nailed it. I haven't heard that that expression before, but exotic pet, and you nailed it. That's exactly what heavy metal yeah. fans are to the hardcore fans, and it's bullshit because I mean to foster the genre and for the genre to grow and for it to become more ubiquitous, in other words, for it to get onto more Spotify playlists, like I've said a couple of times now, it needs to get more popular. There's no two ways about it. And yeah. and I think the other thing that I don't, and I'm going to mention this now, is I think in heavy metal, mate, we're very backward looking. Now, I'm not shitting on Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Metallica here, but I'm going to kind of do it a little bit. I grew up with those bands, okay? So I'm 41, okay? I listened to Metallica and Iron Maiden in particular, right the way through my teenage years, well into early adulthood and the like. But I don't need to listen to them anymore, to be quite honest with you, okay? I want to listen to No Halos in Hell. I want to listen to Bill Hudson and North Tail. There are so many other bands that I want to listen to. And I cannot understand why in this day and age, I mean, I don't want to make the point too specifically, but I kind of will anyway again. But there are so many young men and women out there, girls and boys, they wear Judas Priest t-shirts and they're 14, Fucking hell, I barely remember when Painkiller was released. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this yeah. retro thing happening and this reinvention of history that doesn't make sense. Here's the tip. When Painkiller came out, hardly anybody listened to it. I remember, okay? 
and and that's the thing. Like, it wasn't that big an album. It's become a big album in the years years because of the internet, and it's a fantastic album, by the way. But my point is, it wasn't as popular, I think, as people like to reframe it as now. And what I wish people would do instead of getting into Painkiller, I wish that they'd get into No Halos in Hell, because for me, Judas Priest are gone. You know, when as soon as you start replacing members like what they've done with, especially you can't get rid of KK Downing. As far as I'm concerned, no KK, no Judas Priest. I've said it, okay? So what do you do? There are so many great albums out there by so many great bands on the Nuclear Blast label, on Napalm. There's so many wonderful artists out there. I just wish a lot of these journalist types and also young people would reframe and support the new wave. Like you guys, man, because I think if only if I think if you jag say five to ten percent of the Judas Priest fans that are spending their hard earned on screaming for vengeance t-shirts, man, you'd be set, and then you'd we'd almost be guaranteed to produce another five or six albums. I mean, they're my thoughts, and it's a bit of a rant, but what are your thoughts on what I've just said? I completely agree with you, and I, I still love both, uh, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Uh, they're they're one of the reasons why I uh, I'm here in the first place. But but I completely agree. And one thing I think that the biggest um, responsibility to to you know make make this happen lies on festivals. To be honest, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw this happen this year on Sweden Rock. I don't know if you're aware of a band called Mireth. No, tell me about it. Go for it. Uh, Mirath is a, is a band from Tunisia, which, which wow. are okay. uh, experiencing a lot with like uh, uh, Eastern um, European, like um, African, um, uh, all, all these, um, uh, you know, Eastern Eastern music kind of style and mm-hmm. combining that with metal and and it's 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 amazing and and uh, so on Sweden rock this year last day Saturday uh, the headline spot at 11 o'clock uh, were supposed to go to this Polish uh, death metal band what the fuck are their name uh, Vader, um, Vader or decapitated was it oh uh, no, behemoth. Uh, bigger behemoth uh, behemoth yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, for some reason, um, it was some some problems with the flight. I think that half of the band couldn't make it to Sweden because of a strike, uh, and so all of a sudden the headline spot is you know vacant, and the festival didn't know really what to do. But the the general Martin uh, that was in charge of all the bookings, he took Mirath that played on one of the smallest stages. Um, Uh, earlier during that day and asked them to fill the spot and you know their first show was in front of uh, 800 people in like a tent at the festival and all of a sudden they're doing the same show again in front of 15 20,000 people yeah and you know he was obviously i spoke to him and and he said that he was obviously a little bit scared that people would go walk away Mm -hmm. and be angry because uh, this was not what they came to pay for but all more or less 80% of all the audience stayed there and they enjoyed the show and and this this small band did an amazing show and they took care of it like almost like if they would have been the headline act mm-hmm. and i think that there comes the responsibility for festivals to not only work with those sorry for the expression but old fucking hags uh, like mm-hmm. like uh, uh, you know 
bands that have been playing for 40 years, mm -hmm. you know. Great, yep. Mm -hmm. I think that every festival should dare to have one of the newcoming acts, you know, like, I don't say that, you know, a band that just released their first album should play at nine o'clock at a festival, but I think that, you know, a band that is growing and, you know, maybe released their third album and maybe they belong on a smaller stage, dare to put them on the big stage at eight o'clock, give them enough money so that they could do a stage show mm -hmm. because that's the only way for us to build another Guns N' Roses. It's the only way for us to, you know, make sure that this business will survive mm. and, you know, have bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. I mean, like, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden can never be co compared to each other. I mean, Judas Priest are not touring the world on, you know, football stadiums. Mm -hmm. You, you still mention Judas Priest and Iron Maiden in the same sentence, but Judas Priest is like a demo band in comparison to Iron Maiden, if you if you get what no, I mean. No, I know exactly what you're saying, and I felt the same way. I've, I never felt Judas Priest reached their potential, never. And I totally agree with KK in his book when he, he blamed Glenn Tipton and a lot of that. And I thought a lot of that through the years too, especially the way that I didn't realize when I was a kid that KK wasn't playing the solos because I knew early on he did before Glenn joined the band. And then as soon as Glenn joined yes. the band, he sort of got pushed to the side and stuff. And, and I thought, fucking hell, this is the guy that actually was writing a lot of the riffs. A lot of the fans don't understand that. And I think I'm right in saying that. But, you know, Iron Maiden are a, are a different beast. And I've, I've had my issues with Iron Maiden over the years insofar as I thought Blaze was not the replacement singer for Bruce. I think everybody thinks that. And the band, if they bought on a guy like Blaze, they should have down-tuned. But yeah, I'm, I'm, my wife said to me, because they're actually touring Australia early next year, and she said, do you want to go? And I said, no, I've seen them before. I'm good. I'm good. I, I want to, generally speaking, I want to see a band once or twice, and then I'm done. The, the, at this stage in time, the only band that I actually want to see again, and I've seen them a couple of times when they've toured Australia, is Deerside, and that's because they've got a new lineup, and I want to see if Glenn can pull it off. You know, but I, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying, you know, like... And it's such a good point, and I wish some musicians... And it's not about pissing people off. It's just about being brave and actually speaking, like standing within your own truth and having an opinion on these things. Yeah, but of course. But I mean, I, I saw Maiden this year uh, this year on their um, um, like best of tour, mm. and it was amazing. I, it was um, extreme. It was amazing, and I love to go to Maiden shows. It's not what I mean, but I'm, what I'm talking about is the festivals here. They don't okay. have to mm. have like rat at a festival at <laughs> nine o'clock on the main stage yeah. <laughs> because like rat yep. does not need the attention anymore they had their big time and rat fans is rat fans they will never lose their rat fans and the rat fans are now 50 51 60 years old um uh, what i mean is you know have your headliner. Let's have Iron Maiden uh, as the headliner of the festival. I don't care about that. But, you know, you don't have to have bands that cost a uh, million dollars from 6 o'clock to 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Throw in new, fresh blood in between there. And especially if you have a big band at 8 o'clock and a big band at 11 o'clock. If you put a new band in, uh, 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 in between there, 
audience will stay because they're waiting for the next uh, big yeah, band. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's like when I was going up through the, growing up through the 90s and metal wasn't even around. And you'd go to a festival here in Australia and Tool would be headlining, but you'd see Kay's Choice, who I think were from Belgium or Holland, and then you'd see Skunk and Nancy from the UK. And a lot of people hadn't heard, heard of them before, but these were fucking good bands. These are still great bands now, but they were really good back then. But nobody had ever heard of them, and they did it a bit like what you guys would do. So, is that is that something that yourself and your management are working on? Is that have you well, the things that we're talking about now? Have you expressed this opinion to the guys that guys and girls, whoever it might be, that organise Varken and Hellstock and all those festivals? I think it's I think it's impossible to in this. <laughs> In this case, I think it's oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, hmm. impossible to to to, to learn um, to teach an old dog to sit. Um, yeah, uh, I think that I think that it needs to be be fresh blood coming in underneath uh, for organizations like this because obviously the reason why no one is doing this is because people are afraid of their of losing their investment because. Uh, it's obvious that that if you sell, if you have a phone store, and uh, you decide not to sell the new iPhone and just sell the Jake phone that no one knows about, mm-hmm. you take a big risk on having your whole fucking company uh, being, uh, uh, you know, completely just gone to nothing o- o- over a day because, like, obviously. Most people wants to have the new iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, because they, they know iPhone uh, or Samsung. Uh, so, so you know, it's a dare decision for. And, and I think that they, that the big festivals are scared. They know that if they book Maiden, Judas Priest, uh, Merlin Manson, whatever, they know that people are gonna buy tickets. But if all of a sudden they only have half those big names, they're scared of of that people are not gonna come. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I, they've got to be. I reckon one year, a Varken or a, any like download, whatever it might be, Donington is now download. I suppose they've just got to be brave and book you guys and book Bill Hudson and Northtail and book all of these, these other bands that I've interviewed. I interview so many of you guys from Nuclear Blast that are on your first, second, or third album. But it's like there's a glass ceiling, and I think you've very correctly identified that until you're actually put further on up the bill. In these European metal festivals, it's going to be very difficult to do that because let's face it, mainstream radio programs aren't going to give you the support that you deserve. They're not going to do that. They're going to play ACDC. They're going to play the same old shit. Excuse my language, but you know what I mean. They're going to play the same old shit. But but I think I think the only thing around that is because the internet does provide so many opportunities. And me as a podcaster, I'm a big champion of, I'm a massive champion of new bands and new sounds because I want the, I want to foster the genre, man. I want to see the genre move forward. And I was listening to a old podcast episode of mine with Stuart Anstis, who was the, uh, probably the best guitarist Cradle of Filth ever had. He's, he's the guy who wrote Cruelty and the Beast, you know, and he's, yeah, um, yeah he, he's, we, we, we got into so much during that conversation there. But, you know, it really is about taking the best of the old and bringing it to a new audience, which is what you guys are doing, which is what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, is, so is that, was that the intention behind forming the band? 
uh, now the intention of forming the band. I, I, I just want to uh, quickly um, end, end the last thing we were talking mm-hmm. about. Yep. Uh, uh, so so um, uh, what, I, what, I'm, what I meant with all these things uh, is also, you know, it's not just putting a new band up there and, you know, get them cheap. It's, you know, give the new band uh, some extra money so that they also could make a stage show, a stage appearance, so that they look bigger than they are, so that you could sell that to the audience because then the audience can, you know, talk about it. You know, like, it's a big thing. If one band could go on five festivals playing for thirty to 80,000 people, all of a sudden their fan base will increase drastic, uh, you know, dramatically. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I want this is because there is no way in hell those festivals are going to stick around because in 10 years... Maiden's going to be gone. Aussie's going to be gone. Uh, Judas Priest is going to be gone. All these bands are no longer going to be on the map. And right. who is going to yeah. headline then? Yeah, you're spot on. Unfortunately, mate, you know you know who's going to bloody headline it? Corn and Limp Biscuit. That's who's bloody going to headline Korn, it. That annoys the shit out of me, to be honest with thing. you. This is, the, this, is the, this is the thing. Corn is also gone in 10, 15 years. Hmm. Well, they're not that good a band That's- either, to be honest with you. They've got a great drummer, excuse me, but they've got a great drummer. But, you know, I mean, look, I, 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 your, your point is valid. I, 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 will never, I will never say anything uh, bad about any of my colleagues in the business, but mm. that, 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 those things are uh, what you believe. I, 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 I don't care about, like, which band it is that takes over. I, I just say that there is, you have to build from the ground. Mm. That's the thing that I'm, I'm saying. But... Talking about your next question is um, uh, the 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 reason why we formed this band from the beginning. I I, I got tired of uh, the situation I was in with my last band, and I realized that I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. Um, uh, so I started to to go more into acting. Yeah, okay. I did a movie. Uh, I did a movie that will come out next year. Um, together with David Labrava from Sansa Anarchy, if you know that uh, that actor, great show and great actor, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so um, I did that, and then I, you know, started to work a little bit with music together with Jesper, and we have been friends for you know years and years and years. I, I used to be the pyrotechnician for In Flames back in the day, so oh, that's that right? the, okay. that's the way that's that's the way I, uh, how I got to to know Jesper, and we stayed friends since then. So. We known each other for what could it be twenty years, and um, we just sat down and wrote write some music together. I wrote some music together, and and all of a sudden we decided to you know form a band, and you know because we felt that yeah let's go out and tour with this thing, and you know we got a record deal with Universal, and all of a sudden everything were you know going from you know just having fun to like a serious project and. Uh, um, but we never had any intentions on like what kind of music we were gonna do. We were just writing. Mm. We 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 did what we did what came out of our hands, so to say, and you know that became Syra. And uh, now we're here on our second album, and we decided when we started to write songs for this one, we just continued. I mean, like I've never had a back thought in my head so to say that you know like this song needs to sound like this or mm-hmm. this song needs to sound like that i rarely even listens to music anymore so so like i can't really be inspired by anyone else i just write whatever comes out of my hands and 
that is pretty interesting. I think that you know, like we just we're, we we just write the music that we like. We 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 write music that we like to 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 listen to. And um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Not, I think not, I think once you hit about thirty years what, of age, I think once you hit about thirty years of age and you got the experience you've got, you're no longer in control of your music. It just happens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm thirty. I'm what the fuck am I? I'm thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I look, it's a good age. Uh, I think life gets easier the older you get, to be honest, because you 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 got commitments. And I've just been looking through your Facebook uh, page, and it looks like as though you've got children too, and that always helps. I got two. I got two. I got two. I got two. I got one. Like, and this is funny, not realizing your your age. That is that that I I just came up th- thinking about it the other day. So, uh, what is it like now? Two years ago, my my girlfriend she calls me and. S- tells me that i'm pregnant and i'm like oh nice cool you know <laughs> that's awesome and then the other day now like my my son he turned one uh, and my daughter is six very nice and i told yeah. my girlfriend uh, the girlfriend that fuck i never realized how old i am <laughs> when you said you were pregnant because like if i would have realized that i was like you know 35 or 36 back then mm-hmm. i would never said that you know that, yeah this is a great idea because now i'm 37 i start to feel like you know my back hurts you know like yeah I i'm know. exhausted all the time <laughs> tired I you know, know like i don't have the energy that i had when i was like 29 or 30 where my daughter came you know like there was no problem you know carrying her around you know carrying my son around now i feel like i'm 80 uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it, brother. Don't worry, I've got two kids myself, two daughters, and uh, I, I wish I had the energy that I had when I was 30, man. And I, I'm, I'm back at uni these days, so I'm around all the 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds, and a lot of them are from Sweden, I've got to tell you. I'm at like an internationally flavoured uni on, here on the Gold Coast, and some of, some of the people that I talk to fairly regularly are from Sweden, and I say to them, man, it's like, enjoy your time here, because when you go home back to, you know, Gothenburg or Malmo or wherever you're from, it's, you know, you're going to settle into life, man, and this might be the highlight of your life because life takes over very quickly, and as soon as you hit 30, boom, your energy's gone. It just disappears. <laughs> you can't control it. It's exactly like my six-pack. I had it until, like, <laughs> the day after I turned 30. Yep. Uh, all, all, of a, all, of a, all of a sudden, it transformed to one-pack. Uh, <laughs> it. it I, I I don't get it. It's something magic with the 30, 30 year old uh, uh, turning thirty. It's weird. Oh, I don't think there's any difference between. Look, I'm forty one, but I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this. I don't think there's any difference between thirty five and sixty five. You know what I'm saying? Like you literally are the same Absolutely. person for that thirty year period. And I, I don't know what the hell happens, but yeah, your energy does go. I mean. I was the sort of person that used to not like even sleeping at night, yet alone during the day. But nowadays, if someone said to me at 10 a.m., go and have a couple of hours sleep, I'd take it. <laughs> I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I, was, I, I was the same. I was exactly the same. I, I hated sleeping. Now, now sleeping is like, you know, the most, you know, unheard resource <laughs> ever. You know, like, yes. if, if I get the chance to sleep, I sleep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where it where it if it's an airplane, a train, uh, you know, sitting next to someone in the car, you know, like I take all the chances I can get to sleep. My my son got a uh, you know like this vaccine shot yesterday. Okay. Yes. So I don't yeah. know. I, I think I probably had an hour of combined sleep. Oh God. This this, oh, wow. this night. So, yeah, you know, like, tough. Yeah. That's tough. I can't yeah. wait. 
I can't wait until I, like he turns like two, three years old that, you know, when they finally start to, you know, have a regular, you know, like where, where they sleep the whole night through. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I totally agree with you on that one there. The, the, up to about 18 months is very difficult. After 18 months, <laughs> is, you, I mean, you've been through it before with a six-year-old, but you know what I mean? Like, I've got two like you've got two, and, man, it just seems like double trouble, literally, um, when they're both yeah, that young. How old, how old are yours? Four and six. Four, four years of age and six four, years of age, yeah. Four, four and six. I just need to tell you one thing. I just realized that we have no interview coming after you, so don't feel any stress. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, well, no, yeah. look. We'll talk for as long as you want to talk for. Yeah, I mean, I think I think parenthood is. So I really, I really enjoy talking to you. So I, I, I I'm, I'm in no rush of uh, going anywhere. So. Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take this as long as you want to take it. Then you know. So, but I think I, I talk about this a lot to people, particularly at uni, and I say, you know, with parenthood, it's the greatest gift. But make sure that you've sort of lived a life beforehand as well. And I know you definitely have being a musician, but I think a lot of people are just waiting for their life to sort of happen and unfold. Yeah, I think so too. Hold on just a sec. It's going to cut off and come back again. I just have to turn off the Wi-Fi and go over to a regular yeah, cell no thing here a bit. So... Hello? I can hear loud and clear. No worries. Hello? Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Great. No I have to go uh, I have to go to my um, uh, laundry place in my it's the coolest thing in my in my office. It's a, it's a laundry uh, uh, thing in the house. So I'm just really? going to go check it out because our yeah, our our, our monitor engineer uh, that is going to do the the Battle Beast tour is arriving today. So I need to wash up some um, clothes for him. Well, that's, well, you're a very good uh, singer, like, in there. <laughs> you're doing everything. <laughs> you know, you're doing everything, mate. What, 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 what next can you do? Mathematics and science and everything else? Gosh, is it not much you can't do? <laughs> you know, but yeah, look, I think I think parenthood is a, is a very rewarding thing. But it's interesting talking to you because you said that that you got to a point where you didn't know what you were going to do next. And I, I got to that point a couple of years ago myself. And for me, that meant going back to university or going to university, I should say, you know, but for you, for you, that meant well, forming a new band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it was, um, um, how, how do you say I, it was scary? Absolutely. You know, to take that decision, I must say, because I had no idea what was going to happen. Hmm. No, I don't blame you. I mean, but, it's very brave to do it. Yeah, but... Um, fuck, Friday. What day is it today? Well, it's it's Friday for me, yeah. Friday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah, so it must be... Is it the morning over there? It's 8, right? Is it is it 8 a.m. over there? God, that's early for you, isn't it? Uh, no, nah, it's not early. It's like noon here. Oh, so it's Thursday. Is it is it Friday or Thursday for you guys? Sorry, I'm, I'm I get out of whack when I'm talking it's to people. It's, oh, it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday for us. It's Friday for us. Yeah, we must. Be, we only must be about twelve hours ahead of you guys, or so. Yeah. Not too far. Yeah. No. Uh, hold on. Hold on a sec. I'm just going to check one thing here. 
No worries. Fourteen. Okay. Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. No, but it was it. Um, it was scary. You know, I did not know the the most scary thing with you know forming a new band. It was that you know I know that I am a talented songwriter, right? Mm. But I know that I've. I know how to make hit songs and I have tons of gold albums uh, on my walls for previous things that I've done in my career. Mm -hmm. But still, that doesn't mean anything because like I had no idea if labels would, you know, think that I would be a valuable resource for them to sign on and, you know, throw money at mm -hmm. believing in me. So, you know, I, I, it felt strange for me to, you know, like be back, like almost, I felt like I was 15 again, you know, yeah, standing there with, standing there without a record deal and, you know, having two, uh, having two kids to feed and, uh, or at, at least then I had one, but you know, another one on the way and, and, uh, you know, okay. I was standing at the crossroad where, okay, this might be the situation where I am going to be forced to take a day job and what did you think you might might end so if music didn't work out did you have a plan b yeah i have a lot of plan b's i mean i mean acting is one thing that i've gone into a lot and uh, uh that that is of course a really hard and tough one but it's a fun thing and you know obviously i was able to do that too so i got a role and you know i'm I've been getting other things going on as well, but I also started a management called Guilty Gorilla Group, mm -hmm. um, which I which I started around the same time as I left Amaranth because I, I I felt that okay if everything goes to shit now at least I have the management that I could you know uh, work with, um, but I would end up I mean like I I would end up working around something that has to do with music. Uh, if I if I would have to quit being an artist, I would work with something around music. Maybe on a record label, on a management, on a booking agency, uh, you know, something that involves music in one way or the other, I think. Yeah, indeed. Actually, you brought up Amaranth because I've chatted to the guitarist in that band about a year ago, year and a half ago. So whenever that light laid, was it Olaf? I think it's Olaf. I spoke to him. So... Did, yeah. did they replace you with the female singer? Is that what happened? Or, you know, when I say replace you, when you left, did that? Did she come in then? Or what was the deal there? No, no, no. She was she she was there almost from the beginning. The band, wa the, the, the band was formed by me and the guitar player. And then uh, we were more, or more or less in the same situation where me and Jesper was. It was me and Olaf that started to write songs. And we didn't know if we... From the beginning, it was just meant to be a project where we had... Mm guest singers and guest musicians on every uh, on every track but then uh, after writing a couple of songs and we tried out the growler and we tried out the girl we figured out that yeah let's start a band of this instead so that's mm -hmm. what we did so so uh, no uh, they replaced me with another uh, with another singer uh, called uh, his name is Nils Nils yeah okay I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now yeah gotcha yeah I did chat yeah Olaf seemed like a decent guy Are you guys still mates Are you guys still catch up and hang out no I haven't haven't, haven't spoken to them in uh, in years to oh, be honest enough. yeah oh, look it's one of those things isn't it you know it, it's like when I leave a job you know half most of the people that i've worked with there that i was mates with there you don't talk to again i understand that doesn't have to be an issue you sort of just move on with your life don't you but yeah they, they yeah, exactly. yeah they don't seem to be too they seem to be going 
okay, I suppose. Are they are they in terms of popularity? Are they like have you guys surpassed them since since this release or since the anticipation of this release? I I have no idea. I, I you know like it's uh, leaving a band is like leaving a girlfriend. I mean like mm. if if I would if I would break up with a girlfriend, I would not try to stalk her Facebook page and you know try to see what <laughs> she, what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would try. I, I I would try to you know have that that chapter close close behind me and uh, uh, just. Um, Mm. go forward so i have no idea what they're doing and i i just wish them all the best mm. now let me ask you this about swedish musicians because i reckon outside of outside of people who natively speak english so people from australia uk and uh the united states um i've spoken to more swedish musicians than anybody else i've got to tell you and there's just such a fertile fertile ground there if you like or there's such a, it's, music is so fertile there in sweden what do you what do you put that down to now i've asked a lot of people this and i seem to get a different response all the time but what's your take on it what, why do so many swedes become great musicians uh i think uh, it, it's a combination i think uh, of a lot of different things uh, first of all i think that it has to like if you go really really deep into it i think that the socialistic way of how sweden is built up from the ground oh, yes. like where yeah. where where we have this um security of beca- of being a, a a member of the country so to say or like a citizen yeah is that we have safety network that is amazing i mean like it doesn't matter if if you are rich or if you're poor or if you have a job or if you don't you're still covered by anything uh, that has to do like with healthcare or, you know, kindergarten or schooling or whatever it is, you know, like everything is being paid uh, by from the taxes. And, mm. uh, and uh, that is the same thing with musical schools. If you want to learn and uh, how to play an instrument, uh, it doesn't cost you anything. You just sign up and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously there might be so that you have to wait a year or two to go in there, but, you know, still uh, you don't have to have rich parents that, you know, could, you know, give you private lessons. And that is one thing. And then it's also these things where the, uh, where the government is funding places where you can go as a band, you know, to have like rehearsal spaces where you and your band can practice together. Yeah. And, I think that is that is a very important thing, but then it also comes with this that you know we're we we are brought up with you know ABBA and you know Max Martin and uh, all these things in mm-hmm. our drinking water. So, so I think that that the the, the way how the government are are um, you know keeping us safe is uh, you know and secure and you know that it doesn't have to cost you shit loads of money yeah. to do specific things is one uh, point. Um, uh, and then also uh, the treasury that we got from 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 you know Swedish artists throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And then if you, if you just you know add an extra layer on top of that is that we are living in a country where six to seven months a year it's dark as fuck, it's cold as fuck, and you know <laughs> you can't go out, uh, you can't do anything else. And then you're sitting is sitting you know. Uh, with your guitar instead or you know mm-hmm. end up you know in a rehearsal room so so you know 
uh, Sweden is uh, very good at, uh, you know, sports and uh, music. <laughs> and I think that's the reason, you know, you need something to do during the dark periods of the year, mm. which is about from now until like the end of February. Uh, so <laughs> there, there's different layers to it, but, but yeah. I, think that, I think that I covered it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the students I talk to talk about, they want to move to Australia, of course. And I think there's a lot of, and I've spoken, yeah, I, I actually consider him a friend, but you know, Marcus Jadell from Avatarium? And Candlemas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know him. I know. Yeah, a lovely absolutely. guy, man. I've it's, spoken to him a few times. Actually, he's just such a champion of a yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, next time, next time you, next time you talk to him, uh, say hi from me. I will. The cool thing, with, <laughs> the cool thing with Marcus that that few people know is. Sorry, mate. Can you hear me? It just you just cut out yeah, there, as you were mentioning. I, I, I got a phone call. Um, All right, yeah. uh, you know, it, it cuts off the Skype thing. Uh, the, the smallest uh, finger on your hand. What is it called? Oh, pinky finger. The pinky finger. Yeah. Yep. Marcus is one of those guitar players that never uses that when he plays. Really? And that is. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Jesus, because that new album from them is is absolutely killer. I, I reckon I would actually go on record and say he's probably my favorite guitarist around right now. You know that, yeah, and I'm a musician insane. myself. I'm a bass. I've been playing all day. Well, not all day, but well, I've got a gig tomorrow night, so I've had to learn a bunch of songs. I've had to learn, relearn how to play uh, Abba's Mamma Mia. There you go. I'm a bassist, and I play in funk and disco cover bands. And ah, fuck, uh, dude, it's, dude, fuck. <laughs> I have to ha I have to hang up. Uh, uh, um, can I call you back in two minutes? You sure can. No worries at all, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hello. No dramas. <laughs> no, it was. I had, I had an interview at twelve that I did not put into my schedule, and it's the, it's one of the biggest newspapers in oh, in Hall of Sweden. So he was the one calling me, and I was just, you know, taking it off. And then I realized, I, I, then this name sounds familiar. Oh, hold on, oh fuck! So I just had to jump into the car. And <laughs> oh wow! So you, you, if you need to take the call, man, gosh, you know, gosh, I mean, you go and Listen do what you to do. No, no, I have to go there, so I can talk to you on my way over to that interview. So that's that's absolutely cool. Okay, what, what 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 were we talking about when I hang up on you? <laughs> oh, we talked about that. You know, Marcus, and I've spoken to Marcus a couple of times, and I think he's my favorite guitarist around right now. Actually, yeah, yeah. He's, he's such a and he's a wonderful guy too. You know, and I think what he's been. Up to the last couple of years, I just really enjoyed listening to his music. Absolutely, absolutely. He's great in so many ways, and there's a lot of things coming from Sweden that is uh, that is good. Um, what? What? Uh, I guess that you, you also mentioned that you. Um, uh, I play music too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician playing ABBA and all sorts of music. <laughs> what kind of instruments do you? What, what kind of instruments do you play? So primarily a bass player but i learned how to play guitar too so i um i played bass you know if you're a bassist or a guitarist you can play both i think and but i i, I play a lot of acoustic guitar as well so but my my primary stage instrument is bass guitar because i just love funk man i mean it's it's really weird for me man and a lot of people don't understand it i've never met anybody quite like me with my music taste but i love listening to heavy metal but i love playing funk and disco so and of course that yes i mean like you you uh, funk is the obvious uh, place to go if you're a bass player. I mean, like playing funk is also Thank really, you. really hard. So I mean, like it's, uh, 
I, I play bass too in a, in a punk band, uh, but I, I would never I would never be able to you know uh, slam the bass like you do in funk. I think that that is really really cool. Uh, so I'm impressed by people that can can manage to do that. Yeah, it's um look I'm I'm first and foremost a bass player, but picked up the guitar and um. I just love playing the bass. I can't describe it, man. It's. I tried playing the guitar a lot, man. Believe me, I tried switching over and joined bands and formed my own bands as a guitarist. But I, I just couldn't stick with it in in terms of the way that I do with the the bass, you know. And I still play the guitar. I play the guitar all the time for the kids, man. But, but I, I just when it comes to playing on stage, man, I just get that you know that chill you get up your spine. That happens for yeah. me when I play the bass. It doesn't happen for me when I play the guitar. It feels like a real chore. I'm I'm just meant to be a bass player. That's the only way to, I can describe it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I understand. I mean, like I play a lot of different instruments. Uh, I started out with the trumpet in uh, you know music school when I was young, mm. and uh, you know then then I turned over to you know uh, uh, trying to learn the guitar and bass and drums and so on, but. I can play every instrument more or less on 50%. So, you know, like I can write songs on all those instruments, piano, guitar, bass, whatever, but I could never stand up playing the same, the, the songs that I've written. It's, it's pretty funny. You know, like <laughs> I never put enough effort in to, you know, learn them to a hundred percent. And that annoys the hell out of me sometimes. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But man, look, the thing is, is that, you're in the 1% of the 1% that you're actually doing it. You're a professional musician. It must feel great yeah. to be able to do it. You know, I mean, you're obviously a hard worker and you've got the talent, but to actually take the next step and actually make a living from doing this, man, it must feel awesome. It feels awesome, but it's also fucking, you know, sometimes I I envy people with a, in, in parentheses, real job, hmm. because they don't have to, you know, go every fucking month and you know hope that you earn enough money to pay your bills you yeah. know that you know i never okay. know how much royalty is coming in i yeah. you know if it was enough in january i don't know how much it is in september you know so you always need to work on this buffer you know I can, it doesn't matter if you have enough money on your bank account. You always need to buffer those money uh, in case of that, you know, things are going bad. You never know that on forehand. It's just one date and, you know, okay, the album did not sell anything. Okay, uh, <clears throat> what are we doing now? So, yeah. uh, you know, having a real job, uh, like I don't say that musician is a real job, but like a day job at uh, at a factory or an office or yeah, whatever. I know what you mean, yeah. You know that your your salary is going to come in every fucking month. So I and got, you can have you can have your uh, you know five weeks of vacation or whatever it is. But a guy like you, man, you you are, you are very talented. At the end of the day, there's there's I and mean, you mentioned the musical instruments that you can play. You can certainly write music, and you can bloody well sing. We know that. Have you thought about going the route that Tobias Samet from uh, uh, Avantasia? And Ed guy has gone and forming a collective, so as though you've always got something on the go. Yeah, that was the, the that was the initial idea with Amaran from the beginning. Right. Uh, that was okay. the that's what we tried to do. Me and me and the guitar player, we uh, we had that idea of 
you know, trying to, you know, form something. But what, what we wanted to do back then was that we wanted to do like an Aventasia project, but with Gothenburg metal. So we wanted to invite, you know, oh, guys awesome. from Ever yeah. Evergrey, uh, Evergrey in Flames, uh, mm. At The Gates, uh, stuff like that. You know, we wanted to have like a Gothenburg metal uh, combination, so to say. So that was our intentional uh, or initial plan. Um, but then it formed, we formed a band instead. So yeah, I've had that idea, but, <laughs> but it turned into be something else. That make, I, I really hope that at, at some point in your career, that actually does happen because all of those bands that you mentioned, like at, at the gates and in flames, I'm a massive fan of those bands, you know, and the thing about Gothenburg is it's really, it's such an important epicenter for rock music and heavy metal, isn't it? And yeah. Yes, and, 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 and imagine me then. I used to be a big In Flames fan, and all of a sudden I played with two of the guys from the band. I mean, both Peter <laughs> and Jesper. Yeah. You know, I had to, pinch, had to pinch my arm, you know, when I was standing on stage with two of my idols. <laughs> Mate, you're, you're, you're an enthusiastic guy, so where, where does this energy come from? I know we've talked about how difficult it is to have energy when you've got kids and over 30, but really... Mate, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice for heavy music and rock music. So, mate, where do you think that comes from? Is that just something within? No, I, 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 my mom got me when she was like 18 years or something like that. So I grew up with my grandma a lot. And, and my mom's brothers, my uncles, uh, they are 10 years older than me. And they were metalheads. And they mm. were also big record collectors. So from the day I could walk, uh, I was listening to metal. So, so uh, uh I, I w w when like the keeper of the Kev seven keys came out, you know, Hello, I was listening right to there. that. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, I was loving it, uh, and I was like four years old. So 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 uh, I grew up with that kind of music, and uh, you know that was the only thing I had around me. So you know I had no other option than becoming a metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was tough here in Australia. I've got to tell you because. Um, in the 90s when I grew up, urban music from the United States became quite big and you could face a lot of issues if you walked around in a Metallica t-shirt even at times. Like, it'd probably surprise you to hear that, but even... I, but you got it, you got it during the 90s, 97 or 98, you got a band that really stuck on me and that was Pegasus. Oh, Pegasus, yeah, from Melbourne. Yeah, there you yeah, go. They, the Headless Horseman album. Yeah, a great fucking great fucking band back then. I, I loved them when the when I they agree. came out. I saw them a couple of times. Uh, the Stodge Brothers. There you go. I remember. I never met them, and I've never spoken to them. I might get them onto the podcast. But yeah, they were a bloody good band, mate. Actually, yeah, they were really good. And uh, and I think another they band. Signed, they were also signed to to Nuclear Blast. I That's... think one of the first one of the first Australian bands that were ever you know. Well, the first Australian band was Mortification. Remember the death metal band, the Christian yeah. death metal band? Yeah. They were, and I was a big fan of, I still am, to be honest with you, Mortification. I still listen to them from time to time. Scrolls of the Megaloth. You know, they had some fantastic albums. And Steve Rowe. And I think at the Christian angle, put a lot of people off. But the reality was, man, is that I had Deicide's Legion and I had Scrolls of the Megaloth. And they couldn't have been, yeah, polar ends, but they sounded similar. As you might understand, no halos in hell. I'm not a big fan of religion at all. So, <laughs> mm. oh, likewise, man. It, it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of religion it is. I, it, it could be. Uh, I mean, like, 
I see Satanism as a form of religion too, and I don't like that either. Uh, it's like I, I'm I'm not a big fan of organized religion in any way. Mm. Um, I'm with you, mate. Don't worry, I'm with you on that front there. Yeah, it's um. I think, especially in Western civilization, we're very enlightened from the perspective that religion was really just a control mechanism, and it Absolutely. was when we're ignorant, as civilization was ignorant, we sort of bought into all this bullshit. But as we get more sort of knowledge, we realise that science prevails, and that there's all these answers through science. Yes, exactly. That's my point too. Yeah, oh, it's it's the case, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got my I've got my spirituality and my faith, and I'm a I'm a you know Catholic through and through from the perspective that I was my mother's Irish Catholic, as a lot of us in Australia are, and um, I guess I carry that with me. But man, I don't go to church anymore. You know, of course I don't. I mean, I had to go to church when I was a kid. I, I don't I don't blame religious people. Um, people can believe in whatever they want, but but I I, I think religion is is uh the bad thing so to say hmm. no i don't disagree brother yeah mate it sounds like you yeah. are where you need to be right now so i'll let yeah, you go Sam, I, I have to hang up but it was uh, it was extremely uh, great to talk to you and uh i hope we have the ability to to talk more further on i really hope so brother and mate, my final question for you is are you cool if i release everything we've spoken about on my podcast series because i think people would love to hear this Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you're welcome. So um, have a really nice day now and uh, pet some uh, um, uh, kangaroos from me. <laughs> well, I hope to see you in Australia, brother. We'll have a beer when you come down. Absolutely. I hope to meet you in person. Likewise, mate. No worries. Thanks so much for the conversation. I've really enjoyed it. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Catch up. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name, it's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Jake E from the Swedish outfit, Syrah. Thanks so much for listening.